Life can get out of control. It is a lot to manage. From the second we wake up, it feels like there are a thousand things pulling us in a thousand directions. Everything feels urgent and everyone needs our time right now, which can leave us feeling anxious before we even get out of bed. In this episode, we're sharing the changes we've made to our morning routine that have made us feel less anxious and more fulfilled and the practical steps you can take to form new habits in your morning routine so that you can start your day right and set yourself up for success. This is Life with Amy and Jordan. I can remember so many mornings for us that started the same way, and maybe you can relate to the mornings that we had. It would still be dark. We'd be laying in bed. Our alarm would go off. I'd reach over to grab my phone to turn off the alarm. And, you know, I'd be kind of like bleary eyed, like everything's still kind of blurry. I flip my phone over to turn off the alarm. And as my vision is just coming into focus, I'm also noticing all the other things on the home screen of my phone. I'm seeing notifications, uh, text messages, emails, social media. Uh, comments, DMs. I'm seeing like a litany of things, a big list on my phone of things that seem to need my immediate attention. And it was the worst way to start the morning because it was almost like this immediate anxiety of like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. Like I haven't even... my. My feet haven't even left the bed, and I'm already thinking about all the things I have to do. I'm feeling so behind. I'm feeling like I'm never going to catch up. Look at all these emails I need to respond to. Um, you know, we'd have an email from a potential client, an email from a current client, an email from a wedding planner. We'd have an event that we needed to RSVP to, and it was all at the very top of my phone, and it was still dark outside. And we hadn't even had a chance to go to the bathroom yet. <laughs> and that's the thing you look forward to most when you first wake up in the morning. Is that the thing you look forward to the most when you first wake up? I don't know the most, but it's definitely something I look forward to. I I mean, it's been like eight hours, you know? Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. And for us, that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm so behind started the second we turned our alarm off our phones. And it was such an awful way to start the day. And we spent years feeling this way. And we didn't really think much about it because it wasn't really a conscious choice. I don't think either one of us ever woke up and was thinking like, let's feel as anxious as possible to start our days together, right? It was never a choice. It was just something that seemed to happen. It was something that we kind of drifted into. And it was just a result of us turning off our alarms and not thinking through the rest of the steps of our morning. And, you know, I think the crazy thing is about like every one of those emails or text messages or social media comments that none of those people necessarily expected us to respond to them at six in the morning. Um, They never expected an immediate response while I was still in my own bed. That was something I was putting on myself. I was letting all of this information get inside my head and immediately make me feel like anxious or panicked or behind before the day even started. And as Jordan and I started to reflect more on how our mornings were started, uh, how they were starting, we were realizing that we were really letting life happen to us instead of us 
happening to life, meaning we were reacting to everything that was coming in on our phone without really making proactive choices to how our morning was going to start. And what's crazy if you think about it is this is a relatively new phenomenon in the sense that I can remember being a kid of the late 80s and even the the 90s. And I can remember my mom from a really early age teaching us certain like etiquette and lessons and manners. And one of the things that she would always tell us was you don't call anyone's house phone before nine or you don't call anyone's house phone after 9 p.m. And I think that was because there was a certain sacredness in previous generations maybe that mornings had, whereas with the invention of the cell phone and especially the smartphone, all of a sudden we're in this day and age where people are texting and calling and leaving voicemails and people are leaving likes and comments and sending DMs. And all of these things are happening all of the time. It's like the 24-hour news cycle, but it's like this personal 24-hour news cycle where there's always input coming in. And for us, we were in this place in our life where we didn't even realize that this thing was happening to us and that we weren't happening to it. And so when we would wake up in the morning, it wasn't anybody else's fault that we were feeling stressed and anxious. Nobody wanted us to feel stressed and anxious. If our clients or our friends send something, you know, East Coast time when they were up, they weren't expecting that we were going to respond to it at five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning. They were expecting we would respond to it when we got there. But all of a sudden, because those notifications were coming through on our phone, before we even had a chance to go to the bathroom in the morning, (laughs) we were already feeling stressed and anxious. And we realize that in, in those moments, you know, we have got to make some kind of a change in our life. And that's what we want to talk about in this episode is how do you start the day right? How do you start your day to set your day up for success? And we really believe that starting your day for success starts in those first few minutes and those first few hours. And if you can learn how to get those first few minutes and those first few hours right, you can set your day up for a lot of success. We, for many years in our marriage, did not get those first few minutes right. We did not get those first few hours right. We made a lot of mistakes as it pertains to our morning routine and our morning schedule. And what we realized is that when we started making small changes over time, gradual changes over time, eventually those small decisions in our morning routine led to great outcomes. But when we look back on our marriage 10 years ago or eight years ago or five years ago, we weren't nearly in the same place that we are today. And as we kind of were reflecting on this episode and looking back at those earlier years, we're almost kind of embarrassed that we let technology and we let things that they're not that they didn't matter, but that they didn't matter before 9am. We let things that didn't matter before 9am control our brain space and control our emotional energy. And I think a huge problem with that was that we had not clarified in our own marriage, our priorities, or we, we certainly weren't putting them into action. You know, in episode four, how to protect your calendar, we describe how we, we have tried to make our calendar over time reflect the top five priorities of our life, which in order from top to bottom are God, marriage, our family, our friends, and our business. And over time, we got pretty good at looking at our calendar and saying, okay, how can we make sure that we're putting time with God on our calendar? Well, we can do that at church. We can do that at small group. How are we making sure to put our marriage on the calendar? We can do that by going on a date night. We can do that by going and doing this fun thing together as a couple. You know, how are we prioritizing our family? Like we can put that on the calendar by going to a family dinner or showing up at a birthday party. That was not nearly as hard for us as figuring out how to live our priorities daily. And for us, living our priorities daily started 
with living our priorities from the minute that we woke up. And honestly, a priority for me is going to the bathroom. Like that's a pretty good, if you're thinking about life priorities, right? I mean, that is an essential of life is you got to make sure you prioritize going to the bathroom. And so I think for us, that was really the first step was just stepping back enough to be like, wait a minute, if we want to start our day right, then we need to figure out what our priorities are and how we want our mornings to look. What are our priorities? Because I'm pretty sure nowhere in our priority list is I need to answer my emails as soon as they come in, or my priority is to scroll all the way through social media and feel behind the whole time, right? Those were not priorities for us. But because we didn't have a proactive plan, that's what we were prioritizing, even though we would never say that. It was almost like a subconscious thing we weren't making a decision about, but it was really what we were prioritizing was whatever popped up in front of our eyes. We were just reacting to whatever was in front of us instead of really thinking through our priorities and how we want our day to start. And one of the things we love that Dave Ramsey says as it relates to money is Dave Ramsey says, you can drift into debt, but if you want to get out of debt, you have to make a conscious decision to get out of debt. And for Amy and me, we really feel like you can drift into bad habits. We've drifted into a lot of bad habits in our marriage. Maybe the worst habit that we drifted into in our marriage was reaching for our cell phone the first minute of the day and allowing those notifications to take our minds captive. Um, you can drift into bad habits, but it's very difficult to drift out of them. You have to make a conscious decision to identify, hey, that's a bad habit. That habit doesn't line up with my values and my priorities. And we've had some people message us and send emails and they've asked, you know, Amy and Jordan, you seem like you have your priorities so clear, like God, your marriage, your family, your friends, and your business. But for me, I'm trying to figure out like, what my priorities are. And one thing I would say to you as we kind of open up this episode is that for us, yeah, our priorities are clear. And here's the thing. You can steal our priorities, right? <laughs> we like our priorities. We think our priorities are pretty good and in the right order. Um, <laughs> if we didn't, they wouldn't be priorities. They wouldn't be our priorities. So you can take those if you want. But I think a good way to know if you have the right priorities is when you get to the end of a day or when you get to the end of the week or you get to the end of the month or the end of the year, think about the thing. Ask yourself the question, what were my regrets? right? Like you never get to the end of the day and go, man, I really regretted that I didn't scroll Instagram at 630. That's never going to happen. Man, I really regret that I didn't call that person back at 715 in the morning. I really regret that I didn't start my morning with that super long text thread that ended up leading nowhere, right? And so I think that for us, you can a lot of times tell what your priorities are by what you regret. I can tell you right now that if I look, if I have a day where I don't spend time with Amy or I don't spend time with my son, I look back on that day and go, man, I really regret that we didn't have time together today. I really regret that I didn't have time to play with Beckett at the park today like I normally do. But I never look back on my day and think, man, I just like really regret that I didn't pop on Instagram more. Like I just really regret that I didn't check my email at 615. And I love what Jordan touched on, as he said, one of our habits became reaching for our phone first thing in the morning. And that started because that's where our alarms were, right? And so it was like an immediate, okay, my alarm went off. I need to grab my phone. Now the phone's in my hand. Whoa, now I'm reacting to everything on my phone. And one of the, the most powerful books I read is called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And I love this book. There's so many great takeaways. But one of the things he says in the book is that habit habits, scientists say, 
say, emerge because the brain is constantly looking for ways to save effort. Left to its own devices, the brain will try to make almost any routine into a habit because habits allow our minds to ramp down more often. So when a habit emerges, the brain stops fully participating in decision-making. It stops working so hard. So all that to say, our brains are trying to save energy as much as possible. So anytime our brain can recognize, oh, this is a routine that I've done more than once, I'm going to turn this into a habit so that I don't have to think about it. That's what was happening to us is we had fallen into a habit of reaching for our phone and then checking for everything on that home screen, all of those notifications, without even really realizing that that had become a habit. We had really easily drifted into a bad habit and slipped into it. And like Jordan said, we can't drift out of it without being really intentional. Um, That's why we were mindlessly reaching for those phones is because our brain had cemented a habit that we didn't even want to be a habit. We didn't even know our brains were doing that. And Uh, so we knew that if we wanted to have a morning routine that was going to set us up for success that day, that was going to set the right tone for the rest of the day, we knew that we needed not a morning routine as much as we needed morning habits. We needed morning habits that, that reflected our priorities, right? We needed morning habits that set us up for success in the rest of the day, that when we got to the end of the day, even if the rest of the day got away from us, that we could look back on those first two hours and, and look at our day and say, well, you know what? My day got away from me a little bit, but at least I got to do the most important things in my life first thing in the morning. And a book that really impacted us was a book called Atomic Habits by an author named James Clear. And he introduces a really interesting concept in the book that he calls identity-based habits. And he asks the reader to ask yourself the question, which is the same question we had to ask ourselves, which is what kind of person am I? What kind of person do I want to be? And he said so often when we talk about creating new habits, right, shifting the habits in our life, having better habits, we start with the outcome. We don't start with the why. We start with the how. We start with the how to, not the why. And so a lot of people start with the, for example, like I want to, I want to lose 50 pounds, but they don't start with the identity-based why of I want to be a physically fit person, starting with the identity. And so we started asking ourselves a lot of really hard questions all throughout the day. Like, do I want to be a a distracted, reactive person? Or do I want to be a focused and intentional person? And James Clear in the book Atomic Habits says there are two steps that you need to do. One, decide the type of person you want to be. And then number two, prove it to yourself with small wins. Let me say that again. Number one, decide the type of person you want to be and then prove it to yourself with small wins. In Start With Why, the author Simon Sinek talks about this idea that for families, for companies, for organizations, for churches, for nonprofits, you name it, the most successful ones are the ones who first answer the question that's closest to the core of the onion, which is the why. Because with the right why, you can accomplish any how. And that's what James Clear says in Atomic Habits, which is if you just say, you know, the goal is I want to read my Bible for 15 minutes in the morning. That's not as good of a statement as an internal center of the onion core question of, I want to be a person who has a closer relationship with God. Because with the right why, you can accomplish any how. So it's really important to understand that the why is more important than the how. Now, here's the thing. 
you can't do this all overnight. You can't do this in one morning. And so before we reveal our morning routine and our morning schedule to you, we want to start with with some love and, and a word of caution, right? And a, and a small word of advice, which is if you tr- – the, they say the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. I always hate that saying because I just would <laughs> – Hate to eat an elephant. It's such a gross idea. It would probably be leathery <laughs> and kind of gamey. <laughs> but, the, but anyway, but the, the point idea is, is a great one. Yeah, the, the idea behind it is that we have to make sure that we're trying to solve a big problem. Like I want to have a morning routine that sets my day and my week and my month and my year and my life up for success. And that's a big elephant. That's a big elephant. That's a really big elephant. That's a lot of bites. And so we would encourage you not to try to just take Amy and Jordan's entire morning routine, and I'm going to implement it tomorrow, right? We're going to walk you through the steps of our morning routine and how we came to those decisions so that you can craft a morning routine that reflects your values, a morning routine that reflects your priorities in a way that works for your life. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk a lot about the changes that we've made over time. And for us, just the idea of taking control of our mornings was honestly the first step. So we started thinking through like, what gradual changes can we start making? And I think the interesting thing about this question and about this whole idea of how we start our mornings, it's evolved a lot over time in different seasons of our life. Um, I remember before we were parents, um, we were able to take our the two hours that we set aside in the morning before we started working, we were able to take that time and really dive into our priorities um, in a, a very, I kind of, t- when Jordan and I were talking about this in preparation for this episode, I was like, oh, it was like such a beautiful like Zen time in a way, because we would each have two books on our nightstand. We'd have our Bible, and then we were each reading a different business book. Um, and we would take the first half hour and we would be reading from both of those books. So about 10, 15 minutes with each one. And we were typically reading different things from different books. Um, and then after that, a lot of times we'd actually, I remember like I would go like heat up my coffee, walk into the backyard, like sit on one of the like lounge chairs in the backyard, read my books and like the peaceful, cool morning air. It was a, a wonderful way to start the morning. So much better than like what I was describing earlier of laying in the bed in like the dark cave with the phone lighting up and like flashing all the things that I felt behind on. It was such a more peaceful way to start the morning. I loved it so much. Um, and then after that, Jordan and I would actually go out for about a half hour walk together. And that's when we would talk about what each one of us read. And we'd be sharing the ideas that we found interesting and kind of filling each one in on the other book. And then after that, we'd come home, have breakfast together, continue that conversation. So we were spending so much quality time uh, together, conversing, talking about the ideas. And it was such a beautiful way to start the day. Now, all that said, things have changed a lot now that we're parents because we have a brand new responsibility that is... uh, very active from the moment he wakes up. So things are constantly shifting for us and uh, will continue to change because from the moment we became parents, our morning routine that I just described, that new one that was so peaceful, it's just not the same anymore. Uh, And we're finding that every few months it changes all over again. So for us, when Beckett was a newborn, that season looked a lot different than when he was crawling, for example. And that season looked really different from the toddler season, which we're 
and now where he's talking and walking and very active. And pretty soon we're going to be adding a new baby into the mix. And so I know our morning routine is going to change again. So while we are going to describe our current morning routine, I think just one important thing to note is You know, whether you're in a season like we are, whether you work from home or whether you have a daily commute, um, whether you have littles at home like we do or you're in that growing stage of your family or whether your kids are in school or or maybe even they're out of the out of the home already, whether you're single, whether you're married, everyone's routines are going to be so different. And the goal of this is not for you to copy and paste our routine into yours because everyone has their own needs and every family is different. Um, but instead, we really believe there's no like one size fits all. Um, and not even for us, like our routine is going to continue to evolve uh, just like it has and will continue to evolve as our stages change in our family. But our hope in sharing all this is that you can reflect on your own morning routine and just start to ask yourself, in what areas can I start taking small steps to enhance the way I set the tone for my day? Yeah. And a lot of times that starts with asking yourself the question, how does blank make me feel? Mm-hmm. So if you wake up first thing in the morning and your notifications are going off and you grab your phone and all of a sudden you're feeling anxious and you're feeling nervous and you're feeling overwhelmed, then ask yourself the next question, does it have to be this way mm-hmm. or should it be this way? I think one of the things we learn about this idea of habits is that we drift into them mm-hmm. and very rarely do we stop to question our own our own habits and our own life because they're so subconscious, you know, like 60% or so of the actions we take every day are subconscious actions. And so a lot of times we aren't even aware of them, but our feelings inside of us, those feelings of anxiousness, those feelings of nervousness, those different feelings oftentimes are our body and our mind and our heart's way of poking at us and saying, hey, something isn't right here. And so let's talk through our current morning routine. And then we're going to talk you through how we got to these decisions about how we do our morning so that you can apply them to your own life. And so typically what our morning looks like right now in our life is around six o'clock in the morning is when our son Beckett wakes up. Our new alarm clock. Our new alarm (laughs) clock. We don't have to set an alarm on our phone anymore because Beckett has become our alarm clock. Yes. And it's a pretty cute little noise that he makes these days. So instead of having like the alarm from our phone, it's more like we'll hear like mama, dada, bad ball on the monitor. Those are probably his three most important things in life right now. Mom, dad, and basketball. Yes. So normally the three things he talks about the most in the morning, but that's really our new alarm clock. Um, And for as much as we love the idea, I think one of the things Jordan and I were talking about a lot before, you know, as we were prepping for this episode is we were talking about how we hear about a lot of other morning routines that we really admire and that we think like, oh, that sounds amazing. I wish I could do that or like, man, I want to start implementing that. And then we realize it doesn't necessarily fit into our current life yeah, stage. Like we, we have a really good friend of ours who is up at like 4 or 4.30 every morning. And every single morning he posts like a photo of like his his Apple Nike running watch <laughs> or the gym where he's working out at. And there's some, you know, some caption that's like, like, up and at him or like hitting it again or like getting after it. And then he'll post again when his workout is done. And usually we haven't even woken up yet. And so I think for us, we we uh, we used to look at people's schedules like that and be like, man, if we want to be successful, we also have to get up at 4.30 and start working out right away. But that just didn't work for us. And we realized that for us, in order to have a successful day, we needed a successful night's sleep. And sleep has become so valuable to us in this parenting stage of littles. So for us, we haven't been able to 
to in this current stage wake up or for us it just doesn't fit in to our current life to be waking up before Bex so he's our current alarm a very cute alarm uh, so typically Jordan will go upstairs get him from his room bring him downstairs and then I can nurse him in bed while Jordan goes to make his coffee and so during that time that Beckett is nursing um, is a time that I realized I can either scroll Instagram and start to feel that anxious feeling like I described so many times, or I can meet another priority, a, a much larger, more important priority in my life. And so even though I envy uh, the people that say like, man, I can put my phone outside of my room at night and I don't even have it in the morning. Um, for me, it's really important for me to have my phone currently in this life season because I use the phone to track Beckett's nursing time and track his sleep. And it just like helps me uh, keep track of his life and my life because otherwise I'll forget it all. It really helps me stay on a schedule. So I keep that by my bed, but I can make the change to make sure there are no push notifications on my home screen. So when I open my phone to, let's say, track his nursing for the day, then I don't, I'm not greeted by emails and DMs and comments and news articles. And I'm not inundated with a bunch of things that make me feel like, oh my gosh, everything is so urgent. I'm behind. I need to react to this right now. So none of that makes it to my phone anymore. And just one quick interjection is that you we, always ha- we all have to recognize that everything on our phone is designed to make money by grabbing our attention and keeping us and there keeping our as attention. Long as and possible. so there are billions and billions, tens and hundreds of billions of dollars that are spent in Silicon Valley every single year to create and produce apps that are designed to grab our attention, keep our attention, and hold us there as long as possible. And so I think for us, we had to kind of back up in a book that really helped us with this that we'll talk more about in a future episode is a book called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, where he really goes into a lot of detail of the science and the psychology that these huge businesses and huge companies and huge corporations have to try to grab a hold of our attention. And that doesn't just go for apps and companies in Silicon Valley. That goes for our 24-7 cable news cycle. It goes for our 24-7 breaking news cycle. The number of of times breaking news would come onto your phone that's not actually breaking news. Like, you know if something is breaking news when you go outside and bump into your neighbor and your neighbor says, hey, did you see what happened? Most of the time it's not breaking news, but they're designed to grab our attention. And I also think it's really important when you think about your morning routine, it's really important to be honest and objective with yourself and ask yourself the question, what what type of person am I? Like, what's my personality type? I can tell you, and a lot of married couples, I think you'll, you'll laugh at this, but Amy and I are really different, okay? You might have already figured that out. <laughs> but let me give you an example. Amy is the kind of person where if we're going to have ice cream at night, Amy can take one normal size scoop that represents a normal portion that's exactly the amount of fat and calories and sugar on the back of the of the carton and she can sit there and eat that one scoop for an hour happily and then when she's done she feels completely satisfied like I had my dessert for the night and I feel satisfied 
I eat the whole carton <laughs> straight from the carton because I have much less self-control. And maybe that's something I can work on or I need to work on or I should work on. But it doesn't matter if it's ice cream or pirate's booty or, or coffee or coffee. <laughs> right. Like it's just that Amy is, is much better at taking a Starbucks, sipping a little bit of it, putting it in the fridge, reheating the other half the next day and sipping on that and getting two days worth. Which I know some people think is gross, but I just really love savoring every sip of the latte. You know what I mean? It's actually uh, probably saves our family some money too. Yes. Although I guess the argument would be if I just drank it black, it would be cheaper. Yes, that's probably true. It's probably Uh, a flaw. But but like you're definitely the kind of person who can take a bag of pirate's booty or a bag of chips and put the correct portion size in a bowl, eat that and feel totally fine. Whereas I eat straight from the bag and I'm going to clean out the whole thing. (laughs) And so because I know that about myself, I know that I tend to be an all or nothing person. And Amy tends to be a person with a lot more self-control and discipline and moderation, which is why Amy can nurse Beckett in the morning from 6 to 6.15 and she can nurse him and she can read her Bible on her phone. She can flip over to Instagram for a few minutes because she has the discipline and the control to do that. I do not. And so one of the things I had to realize with our morning routine was I was in a really bad habit of bringing Beckett down to Amy. And then while he would nurse, I would slip back into bed after I'd gone to the bathroom and I would grab my phone and just do whatever I wanted on my phone. I would check the news. I would check social media. And I realized that I had to do something to stop that behavior because I looked at myself and said, what kind of person am I? Am I the kind of person who starts the first 15 minutes of my day with news and social media? Or am I the kind of person who starts the first 15 minutes of my day with something that I care about that that reflects my values and my priorities? And so I had to create a new trigger. And what I mean by a new trigger is in the book that we talked about, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. He talks about this idea that if you want to start a new habit, you have to start by finding a new habit trigger. And so I recognize that my, when I would bring Beckett downstairs and, and, and hand him to Amy, I would immediately go lay back down in bed. And that was my trigger for my subconscious to reach for my phone and scroll for 15 minutes. Without even really thinking. And I wasn't even thinking about mm-hmm. it. And so I realized, wait a second, I need to create a new trigger. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop doing the old trigger, which was getting back into bed, and I'm going to start a new trigger, which is walking into the kitchen and making a cup of coffee. Because for me, that's something that I love to start my day with as a cup of coffee. Um, And so what I started doing instead was I said, okay, I'm going to start the new trigger is not going to be to lay down, but instead I'm going to go into the kitchen and I'm going to make a cup of coffee. And then... As I started to get that routine down, I ran into another problem, which is I would go make the cup of coffee and I'd bring the cup of coffee back to bed. (laughs) And then I would spend those 10 or 15 minutes back in the old habit that I was trying to break. And so I realized I had to create a new paradigm for the 6 to 6.15 time in my morning schedule. And so as I started to ponder that question of like, what kind of person am I? I started to take it to like really big levels. Like, am I the kind of person who loves my wife and kids? But I also took it to the micro level and I started to ask myself, wait a second, I'm starting every day with a cup of coffee. Maybe you can relate. And all of a sudden it's 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and I've had three or four cups of coffee. I've had no water. I've had nothing to eat and I don't feel good. Maybe you can relate to that. And you've gone to the bathroom 17 times because of the coffee, right? Coffee drinkers out there, you totally understand this. <laughs> Who knew there was going to be so much talk of the So bathroom. much bathroom talk. And by the way, if you guys scroll Instagram in the bathroom, you're guilty. Oh, so are we. 
<laughs> Doesn't everybody scroll Instagram? They do. In the that's bathroom? the best time. That's that's alignment. If you listen to the alignment episode, <laughs> yes. going in on Instagram when you're in the bathroom, that's good yes, alignment. If you don't know what we're talking about, check out episode one, yeah. the multitasking. Just myth, don't, the ultimate just, alignment. Just don't. You'll ne- you'll never hold somebody else's cell phone the same way again. Um, Ew. Ew. <laughs> but anyways, going back to this idea of habit. So I started asking myself the question, like, okay, so even something as simple as, am I a hydrated person? right? Like things that are really simple. And I started asking myself like, no, I'm not a hydrated person, even though I know water is important for me because I'm drinking three or four cups of coffee without even thinking about water in the morning. And so I realized I need to start to get a new trigger in order to drink water. And if you told me, Jordan, drink water throughout the day, you know, drink, drink your weight in water or drink a gallon of water. I would just never do it. The water would sit there all day because again, I'm an all or nothing person. Amy can sip on water throughout the day and does a great job. But for me, I need it to be all or nothing. So I realized, wait a second, when I press the start button on the Keurig, it takes about 30 seconds for that coffee to get into the mug. What if I take that 30 seconds and every time I make a cup of coffee, I go to the faucet and I take a glass of water and I drink an entire glass of water. That would make me a hydrated person. And also it would start a new habit where I could be hydrated throughout the day without even having to think about whether or not I'm hydrated. And so you might be thinking like, Jordan, why are you telling me about my, about your water intake? (laughs) But the point of this is the idea of having a visual trigger. So for Jordan, it's the glass of empty water, right? It's like the empty glass to fill the water, to get the coffee, started a new habit for him. And it just, a simple change allowed his brain to operate in a different way so that he wasn't just defaulting to the subconscious decisions that he was making without even realizing it. So this is a great time for us to all ask ourselves, what are some easy visual triggers that we can put in place to help remind us about our priorities. Right. And because the part of the issue for me was that, like like I said, once I had solved the problem of going and making the coffee, I just came back to bed and went into the same bad habit of scrolling social media. And then once I implemented the habit of when I started making the coffee, I drank an entire glass of water. I was still in the bad habit of taking my my mug and going back into bed and scrolling social media. And I realized that when we look at our priorities and our values, for us, number one is our relationship with God, two, our relationship with each other, three, our relationship with our family and with our kids. And I realized if I'm going to make God a priority in my day, then I need a trigger so that I can make it a habit to do that first thing every day. And so what I did was I actually decided to move my, I knew that every day I was going to make coffee. And I knew it was going to be this instinct for me to go to the coffee machine. And so what I did was I put my Bible in the drawer underneath the Keurig machine. With where, the coffee mugs. <laughs> where, all the, where all the mugs and the pods are. And so that way, every morning when I opened the drawer to put the pot in the Keurig, and I started that, that, that trigger that started that habit loop, all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, the coffee is pouring. I would go drink my water. And when I came back to get my coffee that was done, my Bible was sitting right there staring me in the face saying, read me, you have no excuse. <laughs> and so that started a new morning routine for me where between 6 and 6.15, I make my coffee, I have my glass of water, and then I would sit down right there at the table, open my Bible and start reading it instead of going back to bed where I knew if I went back into bed, I didn't have the self-discipline or control to read my Bible on my phone in the dark without letting my mind drift to other things. So sometimes it can be as simple as moving the placement of an object that can really help break an old habit and start a new one. And so i building on this idea a little bit because as I've already shared, I'm using my phone to track nursing in the morning. So I actually moved the placement of my... I 
you know how after you've been on your phone for a long time, your thumb almost knows where to go without looking or thinking about where your thumb is going? That's definitely been true for me. Like Instagram is my probably like my guiltiest pleasure, the app that sucks me in the most. Like when Jordan was talking about like people in Silicon Valley that are spending a long time trying to figure out how to get people to stay on the app. Those people are good. They're really good. <laughs> They've worked wonders on me because I really enjoy scrolling Instagram and catching up with like seeing what all my friends are doing. And um, anyway, I know exactly where my Instagram app goes on my phone. Like my my thumb can go there without my brain even thinking about it. So what I decided to do was literally switch the placement of the apps on my phone. So where I used to have my Instagram app, I put my Bible app there because I needed a little extra visual reminder that this is a priority for you, Amy. This is more of a priority than scrolling Instagram. And that really helps me just make the right choice in the morning. And it, then it stopped feeling like like a choice after time and started feeling like a habit. And that's the cool thing about once we understand the way our habits are formed, we can use it to our advantage instead of just our disadvantage. Instead of just falling into bad habits, we can actually use these natural triggers to make the new habit, the good habit that happens without our brains having to spend any energy. Because that's one of the things our brain is doing all the time, right? It's trying to conserve energy and not think. Or try. Our brains are wired to not want to think as much as possible. Like think about how we all are able to just back out of our driveways and our cars without thinking about all the things that we have to do to back out of the driveway. Like I'm not consciously thinking, okay, I need to check my rear view mirror. I need to make sure my seatbelt is on. I need to make sure the steering, you know, my hands are at 10 and two on the steering wheel or, you know, whatever, whatever the things are that we need to do to back out of a driveway. Um, Charles Duhigg in his book, The Power of Habit actually uses that as an example of a really complicated task that our brains do on autopilot. So if we can figure out how to trigger that autopilot part of our brains, then we're going to be able to be a lot more successful in establishing habits and keeping habits. And so these little visual triggers for Jordan and for me have made a giant difference. So that's something that we want to pose to everyone that's listening is what are some visual triggers I can add into my morning routine that are going to help me actually accomplish the things I would love to accomplish in the morning instead of just reacting to the things that are in front of me. Yeah. And there are kind of two things at play here. Like Amy said, you know, that we want to create habits because habits cause our brains to use less energy. Let me say that again. Habits cause our brains to use less energy because habits are done subconsciously, right? It's something that are that we do automatically. And we heard somebody really smart. We can't remember who said it, but somebody really smart said the idea that you should automate the important. You should automate the important. And so if there are certain priorities and values that we have, and we'll continue to get to those in just a second, but I just want to say that if we have these values and these priorities that are important and we want to put them first in the day, if we can also automate them in the sense that they they happen because of habits and we're not even really thinking about like now I'm not even thinking about the fact that I'm doing the coffee and the water in the Bible. It's like my brain isn't spending any calories thinking about that. But if every single morning looked different for us and we were just doing every morning was totally different and we never knew what was going to happen in the morning, we were reacting to things, we wouldn't be automating the important and the reason that that's, that that is important is because in deep work by Cal Newport, he says, we have a finite amount of willpower. Let me say that again. We have a finite amount of willpower. Scientists have concluded that we all have a certain amount of willpower that we can exert during the day. And what we don't want to do is exert 
all of our willpower those first two hours of the day. Before the workday even Before begins. the workday begins. Yeah. Then we get to work and we're exa- mentally exhausted and mentally tired, but we also want to make sure that we're doing important things in those first two hours of the day. And so as we kind of continue on, we kind of got you from 6 to 6.15, but <laughs> we're going to move a little faster through the next parts, which is usually from about 6.15 to 6.30, we read as a family. Yes. Yeah, so we're not in the stage anymore where you know I can waltz out to the backyard on my own and read my Bible and my business book in silence and peace. We're just not in that season anymore. So we've had to figure out other times to fit in our own reading, which is typically when Beckett goes to bed at night. So this time has morphed into family reading time. So we've swapped like Great by Choice by Jim Collins for The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric <laughs> Carl. But this is a time for the three of us to just interact with Beckett and engage. And uh, if you listen to, I believe it's episode eight, we talk a lot about the things that we're doing with Beck and the reasons why we build reading time into every single day. So we do that typically from about 6.15 to 6.30. And just one thing to mention again, Amy and I are always looking for natural habit triggers. Mm-hmm. And so when we say like 6 to 6.15, sometimes Beckett nurses for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he nurses for 17 minutes. We're not exactly concerned with the amount of time, but we're looking for the natural habit trigger. So when I've had that cup of coffee and I'm sitting down and I'm reading my Bible, a natural habit trigger for me has been that Beckett was so accustomed to so long for, for to read in bed with both of us. So when he's done nursing in the mornings and Amy says to him, hey, bud, do you want to read? He started to say no, and he wants to go find dad dad. He says, no dad dad. No dad dad. And so Bex will slide out of bed and he'll waddle in his diaper like a little drunk squirrel all the way to the kitchen where I'm sitting and reading my Bible. And that is a really, we are really happy about that habit that Beckett has formed because as I form the habit of putting that first in my day, now my son has a habit of seeing me put that first in my day. And then when he comes to me and he embraces me, he can sit on my lap for a few minutes. I can like pretend to be reading to him because he always say dad dad and he wants me to read my book to him. But then I can take Beckett back to bed and then we can read as a family. So we've got that plastic bin of books that we we talk a lot about this in episode eight, but we have that plastic bin of books um, that is just packed with Beckett's books so that we have a spot to read right there where we already are, a natural visual trigger for Beckett. He sees The Hungry Fat Caterpillar, he wants to read it, and then we start reading all together. So that normally goes till about 6.30-ish. Again, all these times you know can vary a little bit. Um, And then uh, around 6.30 is typically when we'll all leave the bedroom and go have breakfast together. And this is one of my favorite parts of the morning because we'll typically turn on worship music on our speakers and just have uh, – it's just like such a peaceful way to start the morning, uh, even with a toddler, um, because he gets really involved in what Jordan is doing. So Jordan will actually involve Beckett in the breakfast-making process. So most mornings, we're making scrambled eggs and toast with butter, which toast with butter is like Beckett's favorite thing right now. Uh, He loves the butter, which I don't blame him. He's got good taste buds. Um, so in that process, you know, Beckett's on the counter. Um, he's hand. His job is to like hand Jordan the egg. Jordan will crack the egg. He gets so excited to hand the next egg and so on. So we're having this time where we're just involving him in like regular daily activity together. And then once we're sitting at the table, we're trying to be as intentional as possible as 
about engaging with each other and engaging with Beckett, um, engaging him in conversation. We talked a lot in episode eight about the idea of active parenting versus passive parenting. And we realized that even, even when we got better at eliminating the phone from the first part of the morning, it was very easy to sit down at the table. And because Beckett's only 18 months, so he's not necessarily speaking in complete sentences or having complete thoughts. We're still having to foster a lot of that conversation and uh, work really actively to develop his language and communication because he's still a baby. So it's easy sometimes to sit a baby in a chair and then mindlessly pick up our phones, right? It's just easy for, I mean, at least it is for us. I don't know if it's a struggle for you, but it's definitely a struggle for us. Yeah, it's just crazy to us how when you eliminate the phone from one area of your morning routine, it's amazing how easily the phone slips into other areas of your morning routine. And it feels like whack-a-mole where you have to keep smashing that phone and getting it out of the way. Because again, we want to go back to that question that our author, it was James Clear in Atomic Habits. Sorry, yeah, James Clear and Atomic Habits has you ask the question, what kind of person am I? And so we would get this like first 30 minutes of our day dialed in and we felt so good about it. And then we would sit down for breakfast with Beckett and we were like, man, we're awesome parents. We've been engaging with him. <laughs> we made breakfast together. And then we would sit down and all of a sudden, you know, one of us would go to change the volume or change the song on, on our phone for the music we were listening to. And then we would get sucked right back in. And we'd see text messages and we'd be like, hey, did you schedule a sitter for blah, blah, blah? And pretty soon exactly. we're, we're reacting again to what's on our screen instead of being present in the moment. And we had to ask ourselves that hard question of like, what kind of, in those moments, we had to stop ourselves, right? And actively stop ourselves and say, what kind of husband am I? Am I the kind of husband that has time to sit and talk with my wife over breakfast and not look at my phone? Am I a disciplined person or am I an undisciplined person? Like what kind of father am I? Am I the kind of father who cares more about my son and his social skills and his language development and his brain development? Or am I someone who cares more about what's happening on Instagram? And those are really convicting questions. And we are as guilty as anyone, as we've shared, we are as guilty as anyone of slipping into those habits of scrolling our phone instead of engaging with our son or with my wife who's right there. And that's, we have to, we have to be willing to dig deep and ask ourselves, what kind of person am I? And the reason, I mean, the crazy thing is there's so much science to back up why we struggle with this. Um, in The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, he talks about the reason that a lot of times habits are so powerful is because they create neurological cravings. And if there's one thing smartphones are really good at, it's creating neurological cravings. And so this is straight from his book. He says, take email, for example. When a computer times or a smartphone vibrates with a new message, our brains start anticipating the momentary distraction that opening that email provides. So that expectation is unsatisfied. It can build until, let's say you're in a business meeting. But for us, we're talking about being at the family table, right? It's a family business meeting <laughs> family with, business our, with meeting. our CEO, the 18 month Yes, with our toddler. Um, that He basically said pretty soon you have a, a workroom, a meeting full of busy executives that are all checking their buzzing phones under the table. And even if it's just like the results of their fantasy football, they feel like they have to check it right then and there because their brain is trying to satisfy that neurological craving that the buzzing starts, that cue, the buzzing, our smartphones, that could be your phone lighting up, your phone vibrating, your phone dinging. It could be it, it could be anything that your phone does or uh, sings. Or <laughs> And if you don't believe that that neurological craving is real, try to go somewhere outside of your house 
for two, three, four hours without your cell phone and just count how many times you reach for your pocket. And the reason we can say that is because <laughs> we we've been practicing this more and more and we realize how sometimes our hands will almost, it's like a phantom phone, like the phone's not even there and our fingers just like reach for something that's not even there because we have that neurological craving that has been... In, ingrained in us without us even realizing it. So all that to say, we've realized we have to stop bringing our phones to the table. We have to eliminate that cue, that buzzing, lighting up, whatever it might be, and eliminate it completely so that we can actually be act- the active parents that we want to be when we're talking about uh, identity habits. What kind of parent do I want to be? Do I want to be an active parent or a passive parent? That's something we're asking ourselves all the time. And it's something we struggle with daily, hourly, by the minute, we have to keep reminding ourselves and holding ourselves accountable. So we keep phones away from the breakfast table, from the dinner table, from our date night tables um, for that very reason. So once breakfast is over, we take the next hour to spend time together as a family. So when the weather is nice, which for us is right now, this time of year is the best in Arizona. Fall, winter, spring is just the greatest. Summer is when everybody stays indoors and hides. It's kind of like if you live in a place where there's like snowstorms and blizzards, we have like blizzards of heat and sunshine in the summer that everyone has to stay away from the outdoors because it'll be like 115 degrees and you just... Like you can literally like cook food on the dashboard of your car. It's crazy. So I guess we could cook eggs with Beckett in the summer outside. That would be a good activity. (laughs) Be like crazy alignment. I don't know. I don't know if like it would be safe for safe for consumption, but we could give it a try. He eats things off the floor when we (laughs) we were on a flight recently, and as soon as we got into our row on the on the Southwest flight, we love Southwest Airlines. uh, (laughs) Beckett immediately reached down, grabbed something, and put it in his mouth. And it happened before I could even even react. And I looked like a half eaten pretzel. From another passenger <laughs> from a different flight. Oh. And Amy's first reaction, and as you're, if you're a parent, especially of little ones, you understand this. Amy's first reaction was like, "Oh no, Ugh, <laughs> I need to clean his mouth out." And my first reaction was, "That a boy." Okay, good. You need to get some of that good bacteria in you. Husbands can relate to me on that. Building up the immunities, blah, blah, blah. It was still gross. (laughs) So anyway, we take that next hour. And right now we love to go on a family walk together. So we'll load Beckett up in the stroller. And then Jordan and I are able to talk together. And it's almost reminiscent of that time that we had before we had kids because Bex is in the stroller. He's looking at the trucks. He's looking at the other people. He's pointing out the doggies and saying, woof, woof. But he's, for the most part, kind of occupied in that stroller. And so Jordan and I are able to just have conversations about, you know, the podcast we're listening to, the books we're reading, the whatever we didn't get to share about from the night before. Yeah, it just gives us an opportunity to connect and to clear our heads. And, you know, if you're a guy listening to this, especially if you're a husband listening to this, I don't know if you're like me, but those morning walks are so therapeutic for me. And evening walks are therapeutic in the same way because for whatever reason, when I'm walking and when I'm moving and when Amy and I are on a walk together, uh, the words just flow. For whatever reason, it's like my mind. It's kind of like you hear a lot of people say, like, I do my best thinking when I'm driving. Mm -hmm. For me, it's I do my best thinking when I'm walking. And I think there's something about the movement and the exercise and being outside in fresh air and being planted to the ground that really just makes me feel my free to share what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And the world just kind of falls into a little bit of sense. And when we walk, I probably do more of the talking than Amy does. But 
that like 30 minutes kind of helps us make sense of like the day before and kind of also helps us talk about uh, what we, you know, our hopes are, our goals are for the day to come. And it's a very like clearing, kind of clarifying 30 minutes for us. And kind of the benefit of it is that Beckett is getting to see trucks and dogs mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. So of course, our conversations are constantly being interrupted for us right. to go, look, bud, white truck or like, oh, Dex, did you see the brown dog? Woof, woof. But for the most part, we're able to get sneak in some really great like marriage strengthening uh, just like quality relational conversation. And the big benefit being that we're also getting active movement in. So we're exercising, we're getting movement in, so good for our bodies. So there's definitely an alignment piece happening there for us too, is because we're not only like building our relationship conversationally, but we're also getting our bodies moving, which is so nice because even if, like we talked about before, the one of the things that we want to think about when it comes to our morning routines is if nothing else happens in this day, what are the things that happen in the morning that we can feel good about the rest of the day? And so it's like, even if we can't make it to the gym later, we know we got our like 30 minutes of movement in and we got a great conversation in together. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is that good habits beget good habits. So like we have a a sleep coach that we use for for Beckett, who is amazing. Her her name is Kara with Taking Care of Babies. And she's an online sleep coach who helps newborn babies and toddlers sleep. God bless her. Kara, if you're listening- we whole, love you. Yeah, we could talk for a whole episode no, about. How she's not paying us is. to say this, but goodness, <laughs> we love her. So go, you go use her courses; they're amazing. But that that she says sleep begets sleep, meaning that like a lot of people have this misunderstanding that like, well, if they don't take a really good nap, they'll be really tired and sleep all night. And she says, no, that's actually not true. That sleep begets sleep. And so if your baby or your toddler is getting good naps throughout the day, they will also sleep well at night. And so we've t- taken that and looked at that and gone, wait a second, good habits beget good habits. It's this funny little thing where when we have these good habits in the first two hours of our day, those good habits tend to bleed over into the rest of our day. And so again, just as a quick reminder, like we've had to be really careful about the phone thing. And I just want to kind of underscore that like when we got rid of the phones uh, in, you know, for me in the bedroom, the first 15 minutes of the day, that phone tried to sneak back into breakfast time. And then when we got rid of the phone at breakfast time, that phone tried to sneak back into our walk. And so one of the things we had to do is we had to start to put a habit in place of, okay, Jordan has no self-control. So we're going to leave Jordan's phone at home. We're going to take Amy's phone on the walk and we're going to put Amy's phone in the basket underneath the stroller on do not disturb. So that way, unless there is an absolute emergency and somebody calls through two or three times in a row, we don't even have to think about that phone going off or being distracted by it. And I know that might sound a little bit extreme, but sometimes you have to do radical extreme things to break yourself of a bad habit and get yourself into a new, better, healthier habit. And so now we're in a place where for the most part in the mornings, we're not even using our phones. We're not on our phones and we're spending- Unless we're in the bathroom, right, Jordan? (laughs) (laughs) Unless I'm I'm commenting on your Instagram from the bathroom. Gross. Um, but we all do it. We all do it. Um, anyway, after that, the 30 minutes of walking, we normally stop at like a local park, play with Bex. And again, it's just about being active parents, keeping our phone at the bottom of the stroller basket, not using that at all. Unless, of course, we're like taking pictures yeah. of videos. And one which- thing I just want to interject <laughs> is that I cannot tell you the number of times we use this excuse 
of I need to have my phone with me and it needs to be on because what if there's an emergency? And also, what if I need to take a picture of Beckett, which right. is all the time? That's all the time. <laughs> but I, I think that the reality is, is that by us bringing one phone with us and putting it in the basket, if there's a true emergency, somebody can call through even when it's on Do Not Disturb. Or you can set your phone where your favorites can call through. If they if your favorites call twice in three minutes, it comes through to your phone. And you can tell your friends and family like, hey, I leave my phone on Do Not Disturb the first couple hours of the day because I'm spending time with my family. But if there's a true emergency, call twice within three minutes and that call is going to come through. Like that kind of stuff you can do to kind of take that excuse off the table of what if there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. Now in the summer, we aren't able to really do any of this because it's like 100 degrees before the sun even comes up. So we um, created like a survive the summer playroom in our house where we just put as many things that we could think of like books, puzzles, coloring books, uh, tumbling mats, like anything that we thought could help get toddler energy out. Um, that's where we would spend our morning in the in the times when it was just too hot to be taking a family walk or going to the park. And so for you, it might be living in a cold place. It's like too cold. It's snowing or whatever. Maybe creating a space indoors where you leave your phones outside of that space or outside of that room and then have that intentional time together, whether you know we're doing like puppets or puzzles or whatever. So that's how we would kind of combat that tough weather time of year. Um, but I think one of the most important things like whenever we're talking about this morning routine is like your routine is going to look different than ours. Ours is probably going to look, I know it's going to look different um, next year when our baby comes and we have two babies to manage and things are going to change again. And we're going to have to like reshift and figure out where, how we're fitting our priorities into a new routine. But the most important thing for us is that anytime we're making changes to our routine is that we go back to that idea of starting with our values. What do we actually, actually believe? is important. Uh, We don't want to let other people decide for us what's important. And we certainly don't want to let apps on our phone decide for us what's important. And we know how easy it is to slip into those things and think like, oh, whatever comes in front of me, that's that's what's important. That's what's urgent. That's what I need to do right now. And so we have to be guarding against that constantly. And a lot of us We think things are urgent, but it's just because they feel urgent in the moment. But we've found that very few things are actually urgent. And when we have that time to set our day right and set the tone, we're putting God first, connecting in our marriage, connecting with our son, having family time, like really putting our priorities in place, like prioritizing our our health, all of the things that we're doing in the morning set the tone for the rest of the day. And when we start our foundation on peacefulness instead of that reactive anxiousness, it makes all the difference in how the rest of the day unfolds. It allows us to respond with a better perspective when it's time to respond to emails and when it's time to respond to text messages and comments and DMs and all the things that get thrown our way throughout the day. We now have a great perspective and foundation to build on. And we found that when we don't have a when we have a morning where everything gets thrown out of whack and we're not in these habits, the whole day feels off. It just feels like we're a, a little bit out of control, almost like living in chaos as opposed to living in this like peaceful foundation. So we know, you know, if we don't do these certain things in the morning, there's just a good chance that they're not going to get done. So we want to build the most important things into our morning routine because we really want to begin as we intend to go on. We tend to do more of the important things throughout the day when we start the day right because like Jordan has mentioned several times, good habits beget 
good habits. Yeah. And so we want to get again, we want to begin as we intend to go on. We want to have those good habits. And so what we want to do right now is give you some practical, applicable takeaways that you can take with you and that you can you can use this week to begin implementing a new morning routine, to begin implementing new morning habits. And so there are three takeaways that we want to leave you with today. And number one is we want to encourage you to identify your priorities. If you haven't done this yet, we want to encourage you to sit down and write, what are my top three priorities in life? What are my top five priorities in life? And that starts with your values. It starts with what you what do you believe? right? And, and and what are the most important things to you in this world? And then once you've had a chance to identify those priorities and write them down, then ask yourself the question, are there things about my morning that make me feel anxious? Are there things about my morning that make me feel distracted? Are there things about my morning that I'm doing that I, that I don't need to be doing or that I don't even want to be doing? I don't even know how I started doing them. Or could I cut those things out in order to spend more time on the things that actually matter the most? to me. Yeah. And so once you've identified your priorities and you've looked at your morning and see, and tried to identify like, what can I cut out of my morning? Then we would encourage you to make one habit change at a time. Remember the example with like the coffee and the water, <laughs> and that was two or three or four changes that I made to my morning over time that led us to the morning that we have now and, and led us to a new morning routine that helps us start our day right. And so we would just leave you with those three takeaways and just in, encourage you um, that it will take a little bit of time and that's okay. Um, good things sometimes take a little bit of time to kind of to kind of uh, implement and to master. Um, and so don't get discouraged. That would be our main thing is don't get discouraged. Try to just do one new thing every morning morning so that you can start your day better, so you can start your day right, so that you can have a morning that that reflects your life values, your life priorities, and what matters most to you. Thank you for listening to Life with Amy and Jordan. If this episode was helpful to you, we'd love for you to leave us a review. And if it wasn't, please don't. (laughs) Seriously, a review from you will help us reach more awesome people like you. To get the newest episode as soon as it's available, hit the subscribe button.